Welcome to episode four of the Commonweal Policy Podcast uh, with me, Jonathan Shaffey. I'm the campaigns organiser at Commonweal and Craig DL, uh, our head of policy. How are you doing, Craig? Oh, I'm doing good. And uh, today we are going to continue our polka around the Growth Commission and a range of other um, issues. Um, and we're going to focus to start the discussion on the section of the report which discusses something very important, um, but something we want to give some context to as well, which is financial regulation. Yeah. Um, I wonder, Craig, if you could just give us a, a kind of overview of some of the key elements of that. Yep, so this is a, a subject that we are producing a video on. We're launching a video today, um, but we're also going to be talking about it um, on this so we can get into a bit more detail. Uh, the Growth Commission um, essentially states that when Scotland becomes independent, it would take the financial regulations uh, of the UK and copy them over to Scotland's rulebook. Um, when Scotland becomes independent, there's going to be a lot of this kind of discussion over how much we copy over from the UK's law book and how much we create anew. Um, you've seen similar sort of things going on with the UK and <coughs> Brexit and the withdrawal bill, copying EU le- uh, regulations and legislation into uh, UK law. Here's the crucial thing, though. After independence, the Growth Commission recommends that an independent Scotland should continue to shadow the UK's financial regulations Mm. so that when the UK made changes to financial regulations without Scotland's input, because we're no longer part of that parliament, Scotland would copy them. And those two things are things that we, we think that we can't just do without discussion. We need to have a good, solid debate over whether that's the right thing to do. And if you're like me, the answer to that question is no, we should consider another path. So, I mean, to me, this is obviously quite a, an important uh, feature of, or one of the most important features of the of the whole report. I suppose because so many people in the independence movement who supported a yes vote in 2014 wanted to see... Uh, economics done differently, wanted to see uh, transformation in how we regulated the economy and how we developed the economy. It seems to me that this hampers that almost completely if we're yep. being consigned to having to harmonise permanently um, with uh, UK regulation. Well, you can see why the Growth Commission wants to do it in that it's kind of the easy option. It means that Scotland doesn't really need to have that discussion over changes or, or go through that implementation thing. They're doing it because maybe they're afraid of blowback or pushback from the financial sector on this. But we've seen that the UK's regulations are not fit for purpose. They were not sufficient to prevent uh, damage from the 2008 financial crash. And they have not been sufficient to stop the worst excesses of the financial sector. We, we know of cases of banks who were deliberately bankrupting their own customers so that they could seize their customers' assets. That's appalling behaviour. And the, the financial regulators in the UK have said that it's appalling behaviour, but have said that they lack the power to be able to punish the banks for this behaviour. And it seems um, as well that so little has been learned from 2008 and the financial crash. Uh, So little has been taken on board about how to address those kinds of matters. It's a worry that Scotland would appear to be 
locked into wider fluctuations that may happen in the UK economy. Yeah. I wonder if you could speak about some of the difficulties that might pose. Well, this goes right back to even just fundamental ideas that politicians have about what the purpose of an economy is and how do you measure a successful economy. And too many of them are still wedded to this idea that as long as we're maximising GDP growth, then your economy is doing fine. There's no real discussion about where that growth is or even what that growth means or is growth sustainable in a finite planet? The answer is no. We're seeing the impact of that in climate change all around us. Mm. I was, um, Robin McAlpine's, uh, one of his most recent columns, was talking about this very fact and was talking about how if we are serious about taking on these, these global challenges, then there has to be a serious look at how you would develop a transformational, sustainable economy. That, I think, is the core, or at least part, of the uh, essence of why so many people support independence. If that's taken away, where does it leave Scotland economically, especially when you combine it with not having its own currency, for example, and therefore not having monetary uh, control? Um, Where would that leave us in being able to direct and build our own economy? Well, why would you base your casino investment bank in Scotland at all when you could just keep it in London with near all the rest of your financial Mm. sector pals, near the seat of where the financial regulations are being made, possibly to your direct benefit, and in a place where the currency regulations are being made to suit where you you are based. If you're up in Scotland, you don't have any of that. And just another thing I think that's important for listeners is... When we've been talking in uh, recent weeks about things like the six currency tests, we've been talking about things like the annual solidarity payment, and these questions often come with timelines, and there's debates about how permanent these things would be or how locked in to, for example, not having your own currency we would be. When it comes to financial regulation and harmonising with UK financial regulation, is there any sense in which you understand this to be a gradual process away from that? Or is it something that you think locks us in on a more permanent basis, according to the report? Yeah, according to the report, uh, as with a lot of other uh, other areas of these harmonisation things, there's no set timeline for diverging. Mm-hmm. There is um, discussion over eventually diverging away and having that discussion about diverging away from UK um, regulations. But here's the thing, this is where the singularity moment of independence actually becomes very important. Mm -hmm. Once you have a system and you have bedded in a system, it's a lot harder to change it. Yeah. I mean, witness even the stramash in the Scottish Parliament when the Scottish Government wanted to change income tax by a penny either way. Imagine that fight in the context of trying to make more fundamental reforms to the entire tax code. To bring it back to financial regulations, at the point of independence, people expect large changes to happen. This is what happens when you build entire states. So there is the opportunity to write an entirely new financial regulatory code, that one that actually suits the Scotland that is and the Scotland that you want to create. But once you have bedded in a system, then you are faced with trying to make tweaks to it on the fly And you're having those discussions over whether to copy UK regulations over piecemeal. 
it becomes a lot harder to make fundamental changes. All that Scotland will be doing is making small tweaks on the side where it gets the opportunity to. There won't be the, the political capacity, the political bandwidth to make more fundamental reforms later. I mean, just listening to that, I think this is one of the key problems of the whole thing, is that it seems to undermine the the whole concept of independence. I think it takes the guts out of any kind of independence campaign. But we're just broadening uh, out slightly uh, into one other um, element which you discussed in relation to this, or raised, which is about the European Union. And thinking through... Uh, potential situations. I mean, for example, uh, does it matter if the rest of the UK is outside of the EU, Scotland as an independent nation is part of the EU, and yet wants to remain in regulatory harmony with the UK? Well, it, potentially, what you could be faced with the situation of the UK, Brexit, Britain, trying to do a slash and burn to its regulations, t- trying to turn itself into uh, a, a an offshore tax haven, even more so than it is now, and making changes to its laws that would be illegal under EU law. So Scotland couldn't shadow those regulations and still be a member or a prospective member. And again, this is where making, you know, these kind of shadowing processes can harm Scotland's possibility of entering the EU because we, if the UK's regulations disalign from the the, the EU um, minimum standards, then Scotland has to try and pull them back. That could get extremely complicated. Um, I think uh, in the last podcast um, you talked about um, when we have independence, political parties will be able to then put forward their manifestos. And I think that's a, a... something which people feel is an important part of the process, that first election that would take place after independence. But I've got a real concern that given how uh, constrained we'd be by this element and the other elements of the Growth Commission, that yes, parties would be putting forward different manifestos and so on and so forth, but not having economic control to implement a wide-ranging Change in how our economy functions yeah. surely is a democratic limitation. Yeah, I, I would really like to see uh, the first elections of an independent Scotland being fought along lines of perhaps one party arguing for EU membership, one party arguing for EFTA membership, mm-hmm. one party arguing for a, a kind of Scotland by itself mm-hmm. idea, and then one party arguing for Scotland within a customs union with Brexit Britain. Yeah. Not because I particularly advocate all of those views or, sure. or even particularly any one of those views, but it gives you a broad democratic palette to be able to fight that first election on. And I, I, mean, I completely agree with that. I mean, to me, that's actually what would be quite exciting about uh, post-independent uh, uh, Scotland is that you would be able to have that kind of debate, but having the full powers available to make that debate really count. Yeah, if we go in and we say, right... We have set up our independent state in a way that EU membership is impossible. That's not democratic. But then similarly, if we go in and say we've set up our state so that the Brexit Britain Customs Union is impossible, that's just as undemocratic. This is, again, what we mean by having that future neutral set up at the point of independence. 
just at that point, uh, lots of people have been buying our book, um, How to Start a New Country, which is a platform for how you would set up the institutions to be able to build that future neutral uh, possibility through which various uh, political forces and so on can attempt to win out their view about how we should build the country. And that's something that sh- which I think would be undermined by the by the Growth Commission. Yeah, and we'll put a link to the, the shop where you can buy the book in the description under the podcast. But yeah, exactly, people should buy. Look, just, just uh, moving on from this, I think, into a, a slightly broader discussion about the UK economy, um, because Commonweal's developed a lot of policy ideas which would run counter to lots of the thinking that's dominated the way the UK has been run uh, economically. Um, where do you see things going? But maybe more importantly, what do you think some of the key weaknesses in the UK economy are? Well, for all it's touted as a strength, I do see the financial sector as a weakness. Mm. There was a study a, a few years ago that looked at a, a variety of countries in the uh, in Europe, in America, um, and in Asia, and watched the measured the growth in their financial sectors mm. and found that the countries where the, 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 their financial sector grew as a proportion of their GDP, those countries saw an overall shrinking of their overall GDP per capita. So as their financial sector got larger as a proportion of their economy, their economy got proportionally smaller. So... The yeah. financial sector was actually sucking money out of their real economy. And that makes sense in a way. If you've got this casino banking style financial sector, why would you bother building a factory, getting it set up, getting the orders going, waiting for years for it to start to turn a profit and then taking a small dividend from it every year when you could take that money, throw it in the stock market and make your profit in an hour and walk away? And that's uh, and that, I think that's a good way. It's a good way of putting it. It's even better when it's not your money; it's someone else's that you're gambling. This is why we need change, and it's it's fascinating to me that what we have taking place um, outside of Scotland. Um, if you look at what's happening in England, um, across Europe, and a whole host of different countries, there is really this thirst for a new economics. There is not only a thirst for it. But there is actually now a social need for there to be an economy that can work in a way that puts all of us first. Yes. Um, which, of course, is the, the yeah. common real <laughs> slogan. That's that's what we're all about. Um, and how do you think we can do that? Because when you talk about casino capitalism and so on, I'm reminded of some of the common real policies that have been... Uh, that have been uh, prepared. I mean, if you look at something like the National Investment Bank, for yep. example, maybe you want to factor that into the discussion. Well, the National Investment Bank is there to be a complete antithesis to that very fast mm. casino capital. Uh, the, the, the core mantra of the SNIB is patient finance. It is the bank that would be, um, as Laurie McFarlane quite wisely put it, and Mariana Mazzucato in a recent paper they published, they, they see the SNIB as the investor of first resort. Mm. So rather than the government just sort of sitting back and waiting for things to fail in the economy, then bailing them out, being the, 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 the lender of last resort, it can be the investor of first resort, yeah. where the SNB can, can provide that long-term patient capital 
to build that factory and wait several years for it to turn a profit. And for that factory or that energy sector or those social houses to really create not just a, a, a profit in economic sense, but a, a social good. A social outcome that yeah. runs alongside that. And uh, the national um, infrastructure uh, company as well is something which I think would tie into yeah. just how we develop a new kind of economy. So the national infrastructure there is once it's given a mission from the SNIB to say go and build social houses, the infrastructure company that is there to coordinate su- the supply chains, uh, coordinate the regulations over how if energy efficient those houses should be and to provide the training and expertise to allow people that the people that would be building it to build the houses at that standard because we've seen that housing is actually a really good example of this where we have the ability technologically to build houses that have virtually zero heating bills for no you know virtually no more cost than it than it does that it takes to build a conventional house the thing that's missing is supply chain and the knowledge and skills to do it and it's Brilliant to be in a position where so much of this policy work has been conducted. Yeah. Uh, Commonweals obviously played a, a hugely important role uh, in that. When it comes to how we want to see this move forward, what do you think some of the next steps might be uh, in relation to in in relation to this? We want to keep developing policy, but we also need to keep an eye on how the Growth Commission develops, presumably because. You know, if that does become policy, then lots of the things that we want to try and achieve might become more difficult if it becomes policy. Possibly. I mean, we we know that there's a motion uh, to endorse the Growth Commission going to the SNP conference, but we also know that several SNP branches are endorsing amendments to that motion, Mm. um, one of which um, I think includes the the, uh, scrapping the requirement to copy and shadow financial regulations mm. uh, and instead to, to try and develop financial regulations that actually suit Scotland Yeah So okay, um, I think that's been a good uh, overview of the key issues around financial uh, regulation uh, when it comes to the Growth Commission in the UK, but this is also a global question, it's fast becoming a yeah. global question because if you look at how the global economy is functioning uh, how it is becoming more fragile, it's becoming uh, more difficult uh, in relation to some of the big problems like climate change and so on. And we often talk about Scotland's role in the world and Scotland's role internationally. And how do you see that feeding in? Do you see a connection there between, for example, Scotland developing all of the great ideas that you've talked about, but that having an impact that goes beyond Scotland? Well, we often quite fondly remember Scotland's history as a a nation of inventors and engineers and developers and exporting the technologies and skills that invented the modern world. There's no reason why we can't continue to do that. The challenges of the modern world, the problems are global, but economies are increasingly global. Globalisation is a thing that is not going to be going away anytime soon. Um, Money is, is, it's easier to move money around the world. It's easier for companies to move money around the world. So when you start setting up these tax havens, do you need a new way of taxing companies and regulating companies to try and capture their their values such as they create rather than allowing them to hide it away? Um, If you don't, then the, the, the problem is if you start building these little walled garden tax havens, 
but you allow companies to move their money and their capital and their, their, their regulations freely, then those companies start making their lo- the, the, the laws that affect them for you. Because they start saying, unless you cut our taxes, unless you cut our regulations, we'll go elsewhere. Witness Ineos this week yeah, just said yeah, that yeah. it wants to it wants a, an exemption from EU pollution regulations, or it will shut down one of its plants down south. And, and that, yeah. you know, when you when you've got companies saying, "Well, let us pollute more, or we'll leave," it's a huge it's, problem. It's a big problem. <laughs> and this is the I think this is the challenge we face, isn't it? There's a big question about democracy and how that relates to economic questions as well. And I think we're getting to a point where we're saying, look, the mass of people internationally are not benefiting from how the economy functions, not just uh, in economic terms, but in terms of uh, people's living standards, in terms of uh, people's relationship with society, and in fact, in terms of our relationship with our environment. That's something that's becoming clear. There's lots of things, uh, as I say, that we've worked on Often I speak to people, I'm sure you do as well, Craig, uh, and you'll talk about an idea uh, that Conwheels put out, and there's a real thirst uh, for people wanting to read our material and to learn more about it. We've mentioned the book, but is there anything around these kinds of issues that we've discussed today that you might think would be useful for people to read any of our reports, for example, or any other articles that, that, that you found helpful? Um, the, the most proximate policy paper to the discussion around the financial regulations is called Scotland's Fiscal Future. Uh, we okay. published that late last year. Um, we also have a few common space uh, common space has published a few articles in the last year talking about this. I'll link to them in the description below as well. Brilliant. Well, again, thanks very much. Uh, Craig's a very, very busy uh, individual, um, so we always thank uh, him for the time, um, yep. for taking the thank time you. for the podcast. Um, this is, uh, of course, just the start of our of our series. We're going to keep these going every week, and we've got plans um, in the run-up to the SNP conference to have some guests on, uh, to, to, to have some discussions uh, with some other, some other folk. We're always keen to hear your feedback. So please do get in touch um, with any further questions you might have. We'll, we'll endeavour to get back to you uh, about this issue. But also if you've got any other ideas for subject matter. Um, we won't always be discussing the Growth Commission. Oh, please, let us go on to something else, please. Uh, which uh, which <laughs> I know, I know uh, is, is, is good for Craig. We've got a whole uh, gambit of policy areas that we want to explore and, and widen yeah. the discussion on. So uh, as I mentioned last week, my long-term goal for this po- podcast is to essentially take the policy papers out of our library and just discuss them for half an hour. So if you have any of your favourite policy papers in there or ones that you want to know more about but you don't want to be reading through quite dense screeds uh, as these things often turn out to be um, let us know what which papers you want to hear us talk about and we will we will explain them to you yeah what I think this is useful for is the way people learn I mean I learn more from listening and discussing than I do from reading and I know there's a lot of people like that so particularly if there's areas of complexity in these policy papers give us a shout we'll get them discussed Look, with that, we'll bring the discussion um, to a close. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Please do share uh, this link around. We want to encourage, as we always say, the widest uh, possible uh, debate on these matters. 
Uh, we are uh, run on barely any money, despite all the work that we do with the policy and the campaigning and everything else that we're doing. Um, so if you are in a position, please do leave us a donation so that we can continue to expand um, this podcast and the range of, of initiatives that we're in, uh, involved with. And uh, any last uh, comments from yourself, Craig, before we close up? Only that please read the papers and if you have any more questions, email them to me and I'll do my best to answer them. And we'll see you again next week.